Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. Before I get into the invitation of the bell and talk a little bit about that. I did want to make an announcement. Um, We have some sad news um, in our community. Um, Joe Hatcher, who uh, many of you got to know over the many years that he and Sadie Hawkins were a part of our community, and they recently moved to Arizona. He passed away last night um, at home peacefully. Sadie emailed me this morning and just said that he didn't suffer. He just passed away last night and that their new pastor down in Arizona was able to sit with her and be with her as they waited for the, the paramedics to come. And so, yeah, it, um, Joe, um, and we'll, we'll have more to say and more opportunities to join Sadie and the family in grieving Joe's passing. And I'm not the one that should be uh, speaking on this, being that I met Joe for only a few months um, and many of you knew him for years and much longer. But the, the person that I got to know was, even though he was diagnosed with cancer in April, he was a fighter. He was always the life of the party. He was always willing to be witty, even at your own expense. And, and that was part of what made him so endearing. Joe was one of those people that whenever I said, hey, come down and let me know what you think about how things are going, and I'd love your feedback, Joe gave it. And I, I really appreciated the honesty and the openness that he had because not only would he give the feedback, but then when I would push back on his feedback, he would be like, oh, good point, Pastor. And then he'd, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd, you know, we'd move on to the next thing. And so Joe was uh, someone who loved deeply, lived passionately, and will be missed greatly. We are jumping into a new series that we're calling The Music That Made Us. The Music That Made Us. And I kind of already explained a little bit about what the topic or the theme is. And the first song that I chose um, that no one actually emailed me about, so I'm cheating here. This isn't something that everybody was like, oh, we have to talk about this one. Um, but it, it's fitting. And, and um, maybe it's the Spirit doing something um, that this was the one that I chose over a week ago, and then the email came this morning about Joe's passing. Um, I think it's fitting with where we're at in our world. Um, you know, we're, it's fitting for, for too many tragic reasons, um, but it's a fitting song 
um, for today. And the song that I chose to start us off is the song Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. Um, and the I had been aware of the song for a little while back in about 2010. The song was written in 1984, um, and I had heard it maybe in passing, but never really thought much about it. Uh, but then in, in 2000, in, I think it was 2010, I'd, the dates are always fleeting to me at this point in my life, um, but there was a Hope for Haiti uh, benefit concert. This was after the devastating earth, earthquake that took place in Haiti, and there was a benefit concert, and one of the songs that was played during that concert was the song Hallelujah, and it was covered by um, Justin Timberlake and Matt Morris. Now, I'm not here to highlight all of the greatness of Justin Timberlake. That's not why I chose it. Um, I know some of you are like, oh, somebody's a JT fan. I mean, sure, who isn't? But like, also not really. So, um, but I loved this version of it, and I thought it was really meaningful because of the atmosphere in which it was being sung, uh, the tragedy that had taken place, and the decision to still sing hallelujah, however hollow it may feel in the midst of the moment. Also, there's a, there's a point at the, towards the end of the song where the way Justin sings the song, the music kind of drops out, and his voice, he does this thing that sounds raw as opposed to melodic. And I thought it really captured the essence of what this song is all about, that this song isn't just meant to be a perfect song. It's meant to be a real song. And so with that in mind, I want you to enjoy um, listening to... Um, Hallelujah, covered by Justin Timberlake and Matt Morris. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. Shortly after 2010, when I was working in Tennessee at a college, we were kicking off the year and encouraging students to come to a Bible study, and we would throw a big worship event, and we would try to get all the freshmen and all the students on campus to come, and we would have a theme for the kickoff, and I would do a little talk, and we'd play a bunch of music, and I wanted students to understand that faith was not this perfect thing that we were trying to attain, but that faith was this relational dynamic with God that was going to be messy, and it's going to be messy because life is messy. There's no avoiding the mess of life. And that if our faith doesn't get a little bit messy at times, if we don't question it, doubt it, wonder about it, wrestle with it, then there's really no hope. Because if we're expecting it to all be that graph up and to the right, or it's supposed to all be perfect, or it's supposed to all be comfortable, well, then you're signing up for the wrong thing. And so I, I asked the band to play this song, to sing this song. And what was really interesting is that we were in a culture where the worship atmosphere was really positive, and like really, really positive all the time. And so during the rehearsal, the night before the event, I was sitting in on the rehearsal, listening to the band play, and they're playing all the different worship songs that we had for the night, the different, uh, you know, themes and things. And then they got to practicing this song, and the, the tone in the room changed significantly. And... I noticed that there was a lack of energy, there was a lack of passion. I mean, when they were singing about God's goodness, when they're singing about love, when they're singing about hope and joy, they were just in it, arms up, praising, and just having a great old time. I mean, rehearsal was like a service unto itself. But as soon as they started singing this song and trying to work their way through it, just watch the room fall apart 
And so I, I, had, I had left a little bit into the rehearsal and thought, okay, I'm just going to let them, you know, keep working on it. I'm going to go grab some dinner or something. And then I got a text message that said, hey, we're really not feeling this, this song. We don't really think it's a good fit for what, what we want to do tomorrow night, which I thought was kind of odd because I was the one in charge for the next night. And I was like, uh, you don't get a choice. Do what I say. No. <laughs> and I said, well, can you tell me more about what's the situation? And, uh, and the, the leader of the band said, we don't understand why you want us to play this song. It's such a downer. It's such a, I mean, a cold and broken hallelujah. I mean, we're talking about, you know, David and Bathsheba. We're talking about Samson and Delilah. We're talking about this. It just doesn't sound very uplifting. And that's not really what we think worship should be all about. And that's when it, it hit me. They thought they were singing a worship song. I didn't ask them to sing a worship song. I asked them to sing a meaningful song. I asked them to sing a song that had truth to it, that had depth to it. And I said, I really appreciate you calling me. I would never want you to do something that you didn't believe in. Can you hold off on your reservations until I catch up with you the next day? Because they had already gone home for the night. So the next day I sat them all down and I said, all right, here's why we're doing this. Life is hard and messy and faith should be that way. And we need to be able to sing and reflect on the messiness of it all and still in the hardest moments have that little piece of hope to grab onto, that little hallelujah left that when it's all broken and it seems all is lost, that there's still something we can cling to. And when I told them that, I watched every face of that band start to change because they started to reflect on their own messy faith, their own messiness of life, and they realized, I can sing this. Maybe not in the same way that I'm going to sing the other five songs that we have for the night, not in the same way that I would sing songs in chapel or a church service, but I can sing hallelujah. And we had this, this tenor who sang in a gospel choir growing up, and he, he had never sang a lot of the songs that we had for him, especially this one. And he goes, I don't really know how to sing it. And I said, I don't care. Sing it with as much passion and gut as you possibly can. And this gospel-raised choir boy with the voice of an angel, when he sang a cold and broken hallelujah and we dropped out all of the instrumentation and it was just his voice ringing out in that room that night with the students there, I'm telling you, that hit everyone so deeply that it created such an authentic, vulnerable moment of recognizing that yes, even when it's so hard, we're going to hold on to the hallelujah. We're going to hold on to these moments. Because love is not the victory march that we always want it to be, that we always need it to be. Sometimes it truly is that cold and broken hallelujah. Because I think in life we want the security, we want the safety, we want the comfort. And who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want those things? And if you are someone who doesn't have them, then you're right to want them. If you're someone who wasn't allowed to be married a number of years ago, wanting the safety and the security and the comfort of being able to legally be married, yes, 
Yes and amen, you should want that. If you don't have rights, if you feel that you're on the margins of society, you don't have access to what others do, yes and amen, you should want the safety and the security and the comfort. But as those on the margins, as those who have been oppressed will say, that when life doesn't have those things for you, that doesn't mean hope is lost. Just because those don't exist doesn't mean all hope is gone because there's still steadfastness, there's still joy, and there's still love to be found. And that God doesn't always promise the safety and the security and the comfort. As much as those are necessary and as much as we should work for the equity of all people to have those, those are not promised. But God's steadfastness and love and the joy in the midst of sorrow, that is promised. That is what we can cling to. That is where we can find hope. I was trying to search the Bible this week to figure out, okay, what story really gets at this theme in a meaningful way? And, and I really wanted it to like hit it on the head. I didn't want to just find some ancillary kind of story that I could then nuance my way into and kind of, kind of for those of you that don't know this terminology, I didn't want to proof text this. So proof texting is when you have an idea and you just find a verse that works for you, but you take it out of context and just kind of use it for your own good and you didn't really actually do the right work with it. You just kind of borrowed it for a little while and used it for yourself and then put it back in its place. You just didn't let it do the speaking. I was like, I got to find the right passage. And suddenly I found myself in the book of Habakkuk. I can't even say that name. That's how infrequently I find myself reading the book of Habakkuk, is that I don't even know how to pronounce the name. So Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. So there's major prophets in the Old Testament. You got Isaiah, Jeremiah, those kind. And then you have minor prophets like Micah, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, right? So there's all these minor prophets. There's 12 minor prophets. And this is one of them, Habakkuk. He's a minor prophet. Doesn't mean he's not significant, just means he didn't have a lot to say. Okay, so Habakkuk is a very short book. It's only three chapters long. In chapter number one, Habakkuk is like, this is all messed up. This is all gone wrong. Everything is not going the way that it should. The people in power are not listening to the Lord. They're harming one another. And we can see that this isn't going to go well. And that God needs to intervene. Habakkuk's like, what's going on? This, we got to change the direction, change the trajectory. This is headed off in the wrong way. When is justice going to come? And the answer by the Lord in chapter 2 is not comforting. It's not security. It's not safety. The answer in chapter 2 is be patient. Because those in power, those who are oppressing you, those who are being selfish and greedy, as that runs its course, it doesn't lead to life everlasting. It doesn't lead to flourishing. It leads to destruction. It will have its end in the end. That way of existing in the world will come crashing down on top of them whether because they'll do something that will cause their own calamity or they'll get so prideful and think that they're all that that someone else is going to waltz on in and take over because they're not going to be strong enough to put up a fight, which is what we're going to see with Babylon in the next few years after this is written, is that Babylon's going to waltz on in and take over 
the area and push people into exile because the people got passive and they thought, hey, we're pretty good. We're pretty powerful. We can handle ourselves. Nope, not in the face of Babylon, you can't. Your pride got in the way. And so the word of the Lord to the prophet is be patient. Stay with me in this. Don't leave me now. Just because it seems like all hope is lost, just because it seems like the powerful and the oppressors are going to win, the people that have turned their back on me are going to win, don't think that I'm done with you yet. Just because you don't think there's any way out of this mess, don't give up hope. And at the end of chapter 3, we see the response of Habakkuk to what the Lord has said. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fruit yields no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. God makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. The Lord has not promised immediate intervention to Habakkuk or the people. The Lord has not said, don't worry, I got your back right now. You just, just give me a couple of days and I'll be, it'll all work itself out. The word of the Lord is, this is going to be painful and it might be painful for a while. Because people have freedom of choice. People have the ability to make wrong decisions that affect community. How many of us know that the choices of others have an effect on our lives right now? How many of you know that the choices of those with power and privilege and position have an effect on our creation right now? And God is not just dropping in and saying, let me just fix all of this creation care. Let me fix all the inequalities. No, God's empowering us to do something. Part of the doing something is actively working and then being patient. That part of this mess is going to run its course, and it needs to. But that in the midst of the hard, in the midst of the difficulty, God is still with us. You know, one of the most popular verses to say on graduation Sunday is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, give you a hope in a future. And that's usually what you're going to probably get in some of those cards at your graduation party is some grandparent or some aunt and uncle is going to send you a card. And Jeremiah 29, 11 is going to be right in there. And they're going to be like, this is your future. This is the plan. And it's beautiful. And I love that sentiment. And I think it's true that God is with you and God does have a plan and has a, has a future for you. And it is hopeful. But that is one of those verses that we just jive on in, we grab it for our own use, and then we jump out with because we forget that there's a verse 10 before verse 11 because in verse 10, what the prophet says is that 70 years from now, I will bring you back to the land because I have a plan for you and a hope for you in a future. 70 years from now. I mean, Talia, you're probably 18, 19 years old, right? Maybe 17. Hopefully you're alive in 70 years, right? That sounds really depressing to say it to her right now on like graduation Sunday. But that's the point of what the prophet is saying. The prophet's not promising anything to the people that are alive at that moment. The prophet is essentially saying two generations from now, you'll go back home. You'll get the land back. You'll get the the city back. You'll get the temple back. You'll rebuild it. 
Not right now. Right now, you have hard work to do in a land of your captors. You're in exile. You got hard work to do. Be patient. And it actually says to plant vineyards in the land that you find yourself. Now, if anyone here has ever planted a vineyard, which I'm sure is almost none of us, vineyards do not actually bear fruit for many, 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 many years to the point at which they are planting vineyards for their captors. The Babylonians will be the ones to reap the benefit of those vineyards, not the Israelites. So here God is saying, plant vineyards, be patient, work hard, keep the faith, be hopeful, because I got a plan for you. Our job is not to expect immediate gratification. Our faith is not one of simple comfort, security. That is not how it works. And so many of our lives are a testament to that. We could raise our hand and say, I'm living reality. I'm living proof of that truth. And yet God is still active and alive and has things for us to do. The song that we heard earlier, the video of it, we didn't hear this line. This is in the Leonard Cohen version that's been covered by others, but it says, And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand right here before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue, but hallelujah. I'll stand right here before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue, but hallelujah. So much of life, we want control, we want to conquer it, we want to be comfortable, and yet what we're actually promised is that we can have a life of purpose, even when it's hard, even when we don't think there's any way out of the situation that we're in, that we can still live a life of purpose and meaning, and that our life lived with purpose, lived with love, lived with grace, lived with humility, lived with honesty and integrity, a life that's lived for others is a life that can become an offering for the world that we can be filled up with Christ, filled up with the Spirit, so that we can be poured out for others. That's what Jesus is inviting us into at the table. That's what this meal is all about. Be filled with the body of Christ. Be filled with the covenant of Christ. Not so that you do some great, amazing religious ritual. As wonder, and I say that with all meaning, and yes, I love ritual. I love intentional things like that. I love the bell. I love the ritual of church. I think it's amazing that we have it, but it's not just to be ritualistic, to check it off so we can go home and have a nice brunch or lunch. We do it because we are acknowledging that we are filled with Christ, filled with the Spirit, so that we can then be the offering to the world, that we can overflow, and out of the love of Christ that is in us, we can be love to a world that's in desperate need, so that we can offer a small, cold, and sometimes broken hallelujah, because that might be all we have left. But the beauty of a cold and broken hallelujah is that it's enough. It's enough. God will use it. God will take it, and it will be good news. Let's pray. God of cold and broken hallelujahs, God who 
calls upon us to be patient in the midst of hard things, God who is with us, no matter the sorrow, no matter the joy, the God who is preparing a beautiful future where we can study and we can make the world a better place and we have energy around it and passion, a God who is with us when we don't know what the future may hold and it doesn't seem bright. Whatever it is, God, we know that you are with us. We know that your spirit is upon us. And so may we take in your spirit. May we take in your body and your blood. May we recognize its power, its invitation for us to participate in what you are up to. God, may we do so maybe with the quietest and the calmest hallelujah, but may we do so with joy. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Just wanted to shout out Pride Month uh, for June. We should be shouting this out every month, not just in June, of course. But this is specifically Pride Month, and we want to honor that and and make sure we highlight that. Um, One of the things that I'm going to be trying to do over the course of the next few weeks in the Tuesday News is highlight different things or areas that are websites that you can go to to learn more about how to get involved. So if you saw the Tuesday News from this week, Two of the uh, areas that I highlighted were the Minnesota Methodists, which is a group of people that are advocating for churches to be more inclusive and how to support our LGBTQIA plus uh, brothers and sisters. And so that was one group we highlighted. The other one we highlighted was uh, the reconciling uh, connections, the reconciling churches, um, and which we are a part of. And so we highlighted that. And they will be having a pride uh, booth down in Loring Park during um, the festivities that will take place at the end of the month. So we'll make sure to highlight more about how to get connected to that, where to go, and things like that. This week on Tuesday, we have a men's connection time. This is just an opportunity for us to gather and grab lunch together, talk a little bit about life, what we're going through, how, how, how we're approaching the world. And so please uh, make sure to come check that out. We'd love to see you there. For the youth in the house, there's a few of you here. Uh, tonight is the last encore, 7 o'clock tonight in the Fellowship Hall Lounge. Uh, with Amanda just wrapping up the year, talking a little bit about where they've been, what they've covered, some of the personality assessments. So we're learning about ourselves, how we're wired, how God made us so that we can then turn that wiring into good use for God's kingdom and the building of community. There is no clearer picture of a cold and broken hallelujah than the cross. We're in the moment where it seems like All love has lost, and there is no coming back. We know that there's still a hallelujah. Will you please stand and body your spirit as we offer a blessing before we go. May you trust in the God of the hallelujah, that even when it's cold and broken, and even when it feels like there is no hope left, that God is patient, and that God is present, and that God is still up to good that God is inviting us to be filled to overflow, filled to be an offering, filled to be love, filled to give one last hallelujah. May you go in grace, may you go with hope, may you go with a hallelujah, and may you go in peace. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com.
For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.